and welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Sarah. And I'm Clay. We're a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. Now, it's been too long since we've talked about British royalty and nobility. And to be honest, I can't stand it anymore. It has been a while, right? It's been way too long. Can't stand it. So today, I'm going to bring you the story of Claude Duval. Is that a name you're familiar with at all? I don't think so. Okay. Well, Claude was born in 1643 in a commune in Normandy called Domfront. Mm -hmm. Like most people born that long ago, there's not a whole lot of information about his childhood or his family's history or anything like that. But we do know that they were distantly related to King Charles II and had therefore been members of the English nobility. But for reasons that have been lost to time... They were stripped of their land and titles, you know, a generation or two back, and they were exiled to Normandy, like, before Claude was born. Hmm. Before we go any further with Claude, I mean, gosh darn it, I'm going to have to talk about the British monarchy. And when I tell you, that just breaks my heart into a million pieces. I'm just so (laughs) so sad about that. Going to have to again. Mm, Darn. Yeah. So Charles II of England. Now, first of all, not to brag, but Claude Duval isn't the only person here who's related to him because so am I. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So this is Charles II of England was Charles Stuart, who was king of Scotland from 1649 to 1651. His papa was Charles I, and Charles I's papa was James I and VI. And James's mama was Mary, Queen of Scots, cousin of Elizabeth I, and niece of none other than my man, Henry VIII. (laughs) Boom. I have nothing to apologize for in my entire life, um, because in another lifetime, I would be the boss of all of you. So, suck it. Perhaps. Yeah, no, I would. Now, Charles II was was a divisive figure at, at the time. Because for a very long time, there was a lot of debate about who was the king of what in Britain, with France being thrown into the ring every now and then, too, which we touched on briefly in the Wars of the Roses episode. Yeah. While Charles I was king of England, Scotland, and Ireland, Charles II was only the king of Scotland when he first took the throne. That was thanks to a little something called the English Civil War, which was a little side war during the Wars of the Three Kingdoms which basically ended when Charles I was executed. Okay. Unfortunately, it's also what uh, gave us Oliver Cromwell, historical villain Mm. extraordinaire. Yeah. So, boo, hiss. And with that, I just skimmed through about four episodes worth of history in one paragraph. (laughs) So for all my anti-monarchists out there, you're welcome. Yeah, sometimes you got to do that. You got to. Now... Guys, I'm happy to go balls deep on the English Civil War. Just uh, just, just let me know. Well, we still got many episodes to come. We do. Now, back to Claude. Following Charles I's execution, Charles II essentially went into witness protection on the continent. Just because he's not physically on the throne, though, doesn't mean he won't still hold court. Duh. And they're all going to need a ton of servants. So the next time there's a record of Claude after his birth is when he's 13 years old, when he moves to Rouen and takes a gig as a stable boy for a short time 
before being promoted to footman for the Duke of Richmond, who was also named Charles Stuart because he was a bastard son of the king. Mm, okay. Don't worry about it, wink. While serving Duke Charles, Claude is spending pretty much all of his time in the upper echelons of society. Like, they spend some time in Paris, they spend some time at The Hague, he's globetrotting, he's rubbing elbows with the 1%, and despite his relatively humble beginnings, he is a fancy man now, and he develops impeccable courtly manners. This goes on for three or four years until, bum ba na the restoration happens, and Charles II is crowned King of England, Scotland, and Ireland, just like his father before him. Congrats, girl. All right. Yeah, this also means that his full court could come back to England, including Claude Duval, who was at this point around 17 years old. And boy, was he in for a good time. No kidding. Court court seems like it's it's a good time to be had. Oh, for sure. Well, and especially at this point, because Cromwell had basically outlawed anything that brought like joy and happiness to people mm. during his time at the helm. So with him out the door, like it is time to rock and roll. Good. According to the Newgate Calendar, which was a, a publication at that time, the universal joy upon the return of the royal family made the whole nation almost mad. Everyone ran into extravagances, and Duval, whose inclinations were as vicious as any man's, soon became an extraordinary proficient in gaming, whoring, drunkenness, and all manner of debauchery. Dang. Mm-hmm. That's right, fellas. We got a party boy on our hands. Oh, he's a bad boy. Oh, he is a bad boy. You just wait. He's got that leather motorcycle jacket and everything. <laughs> now, that party lifestyle, it can get kind of expensive. Like, even in the 17th century, it's not cheap to just be drinking and whoring all the time, mm-hmm. so to speak. As a footman, he was getting paid like a relatively decent wage. And he also had access to a lot of the fun going down at court, like we were talking about. But for our buddy Claude, man, that's just not enough. If he wants to go on party rocking, even after the restoration celebrations start to die down, he's going to need a second source of income. So obviously he turns to crime. Oh, no. I mean, duh. What other choices does he have? Duh. Right? So if you're wondering where such a well-mannered, fancy gentleman picked up the skills and proclivities of a notorious criminal, it's worth mentioning that his hometown of Domfront, that we mentioned earlier, Uh had quite the reputation at the time. Writing in 1736, Captain Charles Johnson describes the commune as a place by no means unlikely to have produced our adventurer. Indeed, it appears that common honesty was a most uncommon ingredient in the moral economy of the place. Oh, so it was a it, it was a bad it was the bad side of town. Oh, for sure. Now, you guys might have noticed this about me in past episodes. There's really nothing that I love more than an old timey burn. <laughs> and this dude just burned Domfront to the ground with that one. Like, well, was he wrong? Oh, no, not at all. But it's just like a well-worded, old-timey burn. Like, I live for that stuff in my stories. It's great. And don't worry, there's more to come. Now, our boy Claude, being from a place where dishonesty was the rule of the land and having just gone ham during one of the hardest partying periods of English history, decided, hey, why not? I'm going to start robbing people so I can keep on rocking in the free world. 
obviously, right? Why not? Highwaymen were becoming more and more common at this point in history. And in fact, 1660, like a couple of years before he came back to England, that's considered to be the dawn of the golden age for highwaymen. So Claude was basically just hopping on a trend. For anybody who doesn't know what a highwayman is, it's basically somebody on horseback who robs people traveling in coaches and carriages. It's like picture the scene at the beginning of Disney's Robin Hood where Robin Hood and little John dress in drag pretending to be fortune tellers and take everything they can carry from Prince John's fancy carriage. So it does require (laughs) the cross-dressing or not? Um, No, I don't think it requires it. Like that definitely helps. And especially if you're trying to hide the fact that like you're a fox, um, like a literal fox. Oh, a literal fox. Yeah, probably very helpful um, to have like the little rag on your head. But, you know, well, I don't know. Now, technically, Robin Hood is what was called a footpad, since he's not on horseback when he does his dirty work. So that's the difference between a footpad and a highwayman is whether or not you're on a horse. Ironically, the footpad mm-hmm. indicates you're on foot, but the highwayman just is that you're robbing people on a highway. Yeah, you're way high, man. Because <laughs> you're on, on horseback. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Terrible. Just... I, I know. That was not my best work. And I'm still not going to apologize for it because, like I said, I'm basically the queen. So these fellas, uh, highwaymen, were also sometimes known as knights of the road. Because, like, of course, you have people out there trying to romanticize what was typically a very violent interaction. Like, that's a, kind of a tale as old as time as people trying to romanticize bad guys. Sure. It, yeah. You know, we didn't invent that with the Joker. It's fine. Mm-hmm. In Claude's case, though, calling him a knight of the road isn't too far off the mark. He might have been a criminal, but he'd also had those courtly manners ingrained into him. And he made his name by being the most courteous person to ever rob somebody blind. This made him famous in next to no time. Hmm. Going back to the Newgate calendar... In this profession, he was within a little while so famous as to have the honor of being named the first in a proclamation for apprehending several notorious highwaymen. So he's basically England's first, you know, wanted, wanted guy. Like, yeah, most wanted. Yes. Like the first guy to ever. So basically like they're John Dillinger. Yeah. Well, I I, I was thinking about John Dillinger because you just said that he's like a noble robber right right that's well something you 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 mentioned a lot in your don dillinger episode right like very like these manners or whatever so like he's a he's almost like a dillinger robin hood combo because he's robbing rich people instead of banks like dillinger famously did not take money from people right but he's robbing rich people which was basically like the banks of the time yeah um and he's giving the money entirely to himself instead of you know stealing from the rich giving to the poor he's <laughs> like well i'm the poor and i need booze so dillinger <laughs> yeah pretty much he's he's like a proto dillinger like yeah. public enemy number 1a is, yeah. is going to be Claude Duvall. And then 1B, we got my man Dillinger. So his most well-known act of highway robbery is probably one of my favorite things I've ever heard. For this, I want to read a contemporary piece by Charles C. Harper. Now, some of this I have translated into modern language because the way people talked about 600 years ago sometimes makes no sense in the present. 
Yeah. But I'd say 95% of what I'm about to read is exactly how it was printed at the time. Okay. He with his squadron overtakes a coach, which they had tracked overnight, having learned that there was 400 pounds in it. In the coach was a knight, his lady, and only one serving maid, who, perceiving five horsemen following them, presently imagined that they were going to be attacked. She was confirmed in this apprehension by seeing them whisper to one another and ride backwards and forwards. The lady, to show that she was not afraid, takes a duct flute out of her pocket and plays. Duval takes the hint and takes out his own duct flute, which he plays excellently well. In this posture, he rides up to the coach side. Sir, he says to the knight in the coach, your lady plays excellently, and I doubt not but that she dances as well. Will you please to walk out of the coach and let me have the honor to dance one current with her upon the heath? Sir, said the knight in the coach, I dare not deny anything to one of your quality and good mind. You seem a gentleman and your request is very reasonable. The driver opened the door and out comes the knight. Duval leaps lightly off his horse and hands the lady out of the coach. They danced and Duval performed marvels. It was surprising to see how gracefully he moved upon the grass. Scarce a dancing master in London, but would have been proud to have shown such agility in a pair of pumps as Duval showed in a great pair of French riding boots. As soon as the dance was over, he waits on the lady back to the coach without offering her the least affront. That is pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's very bizarre. Yeah. Now, and some of that stuff, like just to to clarify, um, I have no idea what it means. Like dancing a current and performing marvels. Don't know what that means. Couldn't translate it. Um, into, yeah. into current times, the search results I got were total garbage. But like you get the general idea of it. So like he rolls up with his posse to rob these people. The lady in the carriage whips out what's basically a recorder and starts playing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Duvall is so charmed by this that he takes out his own recorder and starts playing it back to her. <laughs> they end up dancing together on the side of the road. Yeah. He then took only a hundred pounds from them of the 400 he knew that they had and promised that neither he nor his crew would ever bother them again. <laughs> it's like, thanks for the dance and the cash. Bye-bye. Yeah. And they went their separate ways. <sighs> Bizarre. Very strange. Yeah. The story is so flamboyant and so ridiculous that, of course, it spreads like wildfire. Yeah. So this is when you get, like, any people who are attracted to men basically dying to be robbed by this guy. <laughs> he became a massive heartthrob of his time. Basically a 17th century, I don't know, like, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> right? Like, like if Ryan Gosling yeah. was on one of those write-to-a-prisoner websites, but also it's the 1660s. I guess it's like kind of the vibe here because the fact that he was a criminal was obviously a huge part of the appeal. Cause like you were saying earlier, he's a bad boy. Yeah. So it's like, he's Ryan Gosling singing push in the Barbie movie. Oh, God. It's kind of the vibe. Like I want to rob your coach. Well, yeah. I will. Yeah. I want to dance on the roadside. She's been looking for a way to, to bring that into the <laughs> podcast for weeks now i know it I, I i have like a whole like i wrote i wrote out some lyrics i'm not gonna sing all of them um but i did just for my own amusement oh man 
background now. She is, she's, <clears throat> she's obsessed. I'm obsessed with the Barbie movie. This is the second episode in a row of mine that I've mentioned it. So, Oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. Um. Whatever. Moving on. Now, yeah, don't think about that anymore. It's fine. Now, it also doesn't hurt Duvall's reputation with the ladies that he was also very handsome. Mm. Like Orion Gosling, for example. Um, Ryan's agent. Are you listening? Um, so he's like, he's handsome. He's very witty. He's charismatic. He also had some like killer pickup lines that he liked to use on women to charm them. Stuff like, those eyes of yours, madam, have undone me. Oh, that's good. That's good, right? Yeah. There's like another like really over the top one that I love where he's like, Oh, that I could by any means in the world recommend myself to your ladyship's notice. <laughs> like I, I picture him like holding the back of his hand to his forehead and like acting like he's going to faint or whatever. Like that, that line in particular is giving Niles and Daphne to me from Frasier. It's yeah, it's it's um. well, if I could just do something to get you to notice me, oh. You know, yeah, it's it's. I, I'm sure it's it was sort of the the, the way that was spoken at the time a yeah. lot more than oh, it yeah. is now. But he's he's nailing it, man. He's N- he's doing great. And and how do we have these quotes and whatnot? He was just talked about a lot. Like he's in the gossip pages a lot. People are sharing the stories around. But like all of the quotes and things that I have in here are things that were written either during his lifetime or within fifty years of his death. Okay. So this is, you know, but there is still the possibility always of... with any literally with anything we talk about on this show. Yes, there's the possibility that what's recorded is not what happened. That's how history a bit of like sensationalism always, always. That's just kind of how yeah. this, you know, history being written by the victors is uh, kind of how that plays out. Well, especially with characters like this who capture. Oh, yeah the the public so much oh my god like you don't even know but like there's some stuff like towards the end here that is a hundred percent confirmed fact like oh that really lends credence to him being (laughs) such a smooth son of a bitch like so smooth uh another great matchbox 20 song ryan gosling are you listening smooth no okay santana yeah can we get a little it's fine okay so his peers compared his luck with the ladies to one of the more famous generals of the time and said that where women were concerned, Duval never laid siege, but that he took the palace. Oh, my God. I know. I was like, oh, oh, my God. Okay. Is he talking about what I think he's talking about? Yes, he is. My. Uh-huh. Another famous story involved Duvall and his band of merry men staking out a coach in Blackheath that was full of women, one of whom had a baby with her. Now, even though this is the Duvall gang, not all of them are as polite as they could be. So, like, think the Dillinger gang had Babyface Nelson, who's just out here buck wild doing whatever he feels like. So this guy, while not as unhinged, as babyface, consider him the babyface of the Duvall gang, right? The, the, the wild card. He is the wild card. He does not care. So, like, <clears throat> this one guy, like, he's not only taking the women's jewelry, but he actually snatches the bottle out of the baby's mouth because it had silver on it. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, the bottle itself was made out of silver. I mean, they don't have plastic back then, like, yeah. you know. 
So as you probably recall from when we had a baby, um, taking their bottle away tends to severely piss them off. Yeah. So the baby starts crying their full head off, like just wailing. And the ladies are begging the guy, like, please just give the bottle back. Like, what the hell? And he won't do it. He's like, no, it's made of silver. Like, I don't care about your baby. But then Duvall rocks up and is like, "Mm, guess again. He gives the bottle back to the women, turns to the thief in question. Oh, my God, guys. And he goes, sir, can't you behave like a gentleman and raise a contribution without stripping people? But perhaps you had occasion for the sucking bottle yourself, for by your actions, one would imagine you were hardly weaned. Oh, my God. (laughs) Got him. He's like, do you need the bottle, baby? Oh, my God. I love it. I love it so much. It's pretty good. He got him. Yeah. (laughs) So it was around that time that the bounty on his head got to be so high that he had no choice but to flee the country. He went back to France for a while to lay low. With many historians believing he lived in Paris, where he could keep on wilding out until he burned through all his money. Now, maybe the law was like more strict about robbing in France at this time because he doesn't resume his career in France when he runs out of money. He moves back to England to resume his illegal enterprise. Hmm. I don't know, man. And I mean, yeah, at that point, he's so notorious that like, he can't really go back to being the Duke of Richmond's footman, right? Like, yeah, you, you got to make money somehow. Now, he did start supplementing his robbery funds with gambling, which is another thing he excelled at. Hmm. Going back to Captain Charles Johnson's writings, he made it a great part of his study to learn all the intricate questions, deceitful propositions, and paradoxical assertions that are made use of in conversation. Add to this the smattering he had attained in all the sciences, particularly the mathematics, by means of which he frequently won considerable sums on the situation of a place, the length of a stick, and a hundred such little things, which a man may practice without being liable to any suspicion, or casting any blemish upon his character as an honest man or even a gentleman, which Duval affected to appear. Hmm. So basically they'd make like, dumb bets like i bet i know how long that stick is and like he's (laughs) able to calculate it so he'd win the money but he's also able to do things like counting cards and like just kind of he's a very smart person yeah and use that to his advantage when he was choosing the bets he wanted to place okay good times don't last forever though while drinking at a covent garden tavern called the hole in the wall He was finally arrested on January 17th, 1670. He was found guilty of the only six robberies they could prove and was sentenced to death at the age of 27. Mm. As you'd expect, he had a lot of female visitors in the four days he was in prison ahead of his execution. Wow. Mm -hmm. There were even women like disguising themselves as jailers and sneaking in. Wow. Like when they were told no, they would like, run home put on a costume and come back dang yeah you're not you're not telling me no hordes of the women like even showed up to the judge's house to appeal to him to spare claude's life but he could not be swayed and if anything like he found the whole spectacle annoying which (laughs) you probably would (laughs) 
Weirdly enough, I couldn't find the method of execution they used for Claude, but I assume he was hanged because that was pretty standard at the time. Yeah. Afterward, his body was put on display at the Tangier Tavern in Covent Garden. And again, it was very similar to John Dillinger and that there was a constant crowd of people passing through to pay their respects. Like for days, it's just constantly moving line, mostly of women. Um, it's like these women come by to say their final farewells to this man that they have loved so much. They're, they're Ryan Gosling, John Dillinger <laughs> combo. It was reported that... So much had his gallantries and handsome figure rendered him the favorite of the fair sex that many a bright eye was dimmed at his funeral. His corpse was bedewed with the tears of beauty. I know. Now, Claude Duvall was laid to rest under the center aisle of St. Paul's in Covent Garden. And I'm going to read you his epitaph because it, it slaps. This epitaph slabs and it also like this is what i was talking about confirms the ladies man stuff okay which you love to have on your epitaph right like <laughs> this is some victor noir stuff right here with your sexy grave here lies duval reader if male thou art look to thy purse if female to thy heart much havoc has he made of both for all men he made stand and women he made fall the second conqueror of the Norman race. Knights to his arms did yield and ladies to his face. Old Tyburn's glory, England's illustrious thief. Duval, the lady's joy. Duval, the lady's grief. That is a great. Yeah, that's great. Oh my God, it's amazing. <laughs> and that is the extraordinary yet short life of Claude Duval, the gentleman robber of 17th century England what a tale (laughs) (laughs) amazing i loved it i was i was very excited to share that one with uh with you honey and all of you listening thanks for tuning in giving us a little bit of your time today i hope you enjoyed that story and if you did but you're a newer listener i'd recommend going all the way back to episodes 10 and 11 to hear the in-depth life story of my boo john dillinger uh so you have an idea of what we were even talking about half the time yep very similar vibes there. And while you're on our podcast page, you know, on whatever platform you use looking for that episode, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a nice little review? I mean, frankly, the review doesn't even have to be nice or even relevant, but just having a review along with the rating does help us out a lot as far as getting our podcast in front of new listeners. Check out our Instagram for some additional visual content. We are Fantastic HPod there and on Threads. You can also email us if you have any story ideas or just general thoughts you'd like to share. The email address is fantastichistorypod at gmail.com. Until next time. See ya.